here today really goes without introduction, probably for most. But for those of you, I know that many of you maybe are new to worshiping here at Refuge, and so maybe you're going, well, who is this person named Jason Sisko? Well, he used to be a, an evangelist that went all over the world, and uh, now he pastors a church called the Church Triumphant in Pasadena, Texas. I'm not going to lie, at times I wish he was still evangelizing so we could get him more often, but now he, he also is committed to a local church that is a growing, revival-minded, world-changing church. Uh, he has a prophetic ministry. Um, in addition to, if you, if you were not at the, 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 the conference this past weekend, it was a five-fold ministry conference, which Ephesians 4 tells us about apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. And so we at this church wholeheartedly embrace the five-fold ministry. And so Brother Cisco is not just a pastor, but as an evangelist and as a prophetic man of God, that he is operating in several of these components of the five-fold ministry. And I told him today that my prayer when I woke up this morning was that, God, I know that you have given him a word for our church. Just help us to be receptive and open to whatever it is that you want to say. But before I bring him up, I want you to know that not only of all the accolades and the great things that he does, but I wanted to surprise him today because if you didn't know, Brother Jason Sisko graduated from the same high school that I did just a couple years earlier. <laughs> and so you might not, you know him like this, but did you know him like this? <laughs> he's number 20 right here. He's, 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 he's getting ready for the rebound. Right there in the, on the left, number 20, says PCA. And then, did you know him like this? He was in a play, and that's him right there. And so, I just wanted you to see that, you know, the older days of Parkway. But uh, you can take it off. But I just, I, I, in all seriousness, I am thankful uh, that, that all the way back, my dad, when I got serious about God, he was called to preach at eight years old. I should have told the kids that before they left. But growing up, so he graduated like 1988, I believe. I graduated in 99. But growing up when I got serious about God, even before I got serious about God, he had set a trend that really shifted and changed the culture of our high school with his prayer, with his response to God at a young age, with his preaching, that what, you, what we get to see when you see him on Prayer Nation and when you see him online and you see him in all these areas, he's been living this for decades and decades and decades of faithful pursuit of God before any of this public stuff that we get to enjoy daily or week in and week out that this started way back then, that my dad would say to me, he'd go, Gary, if you want to be like Jason Sisko, you got to, Gary, if you want to be like Jason Sisko, Gary. And I heard that growing up as a young man because for us, certainly it was first and foremost a pursuit of God. And if we're here, I know sometimes we're afraid, well, we don't want to worship people. But you know what? There's something to be said when a man or a woman of God is mightily used of God. There should be a healthy reverence where you go, wow, he talked about desiring the gifts, that you can look at someone and go, 
I have a reverence for the ministry that that person has in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not worship. That's a, that is a looking at someone and going, Lord, I have, a, I, have a, I have a reverence for what you're doing in that person's life, and I want to try to get alongside that person and have that person's voice in my life. And I approached Brother Cisco at General Conference, and I said, listen, Refuge Church, we need a prophetic voice. And he doesn't travel much on the weekends now because he's a pastor, but he was so kind to be willing to stick around this Sunday. And it's not just because, oh, yeah, he was just looking to preach somewhere else. He can preach anywhere. But I believe that this moment has been divinely appointed by God. And so I want you to know that I have no idea what he's going to say, but I wholeheartedly support it because he is the prophet of God for Refuge Church on this Sunday. And I'm honored to bring a man that I consider a friend, a man that I have looked up to for a very long time. And if my dad was still, still alive, he'd be here going, oh, see, now, you, that, see, Gary, got to be like Jason Sisko. <laughs> Come on up here, sir. Take your liberty. Let's clap for Jesus. He's the one that's worthy. He makes it all happen. Without him, we can do nothing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. There's none besides you. There's none before you. There'll be none after you. You are king of kings. Array, array. Amen, amen, amen. Señor, señor. Praise God. Do we have some Spanish speakers in the house today? Gloria Santo, hallelujah. Bendito Señor. Jesús. Okay, we have some Spanish uh, bilingual people in our church as well in a Spanish service, so I'm so excited about that. You may be seated for a minute. And um, thank you so much for your kind uh, introduction today. I'm going to dunk on you, you know, after this. No. I always tried to dunk. One time, uh, they actually lowered the rims so that we could get photos of all the team. <laughs> They lowered them down to eight feet, and they got a camera down low, and we all pretended that it was a 10-foot rim, and, you know. <laughs> it was for the yearbook, though. You got to have, you know, anyway. But, so. but it is a really, it's really a great honor to be here today, and if, if there's anything good, it's all Jesus. If there's anything bad, I own it all, so. But I want to, uh, I just want to share with you today some things that the Lord has put on my heart. I do believe that uh, God is moving you into a new season, and he, number one, wanted to change your mindset, and in order to change your mindset, he had to get you in a, uh, in a transitional space so that you would not bond too deeply with an identity based on a building. COVID was designed to bring us back to the book of Acts. So what I said is um, there are multiple uh, agendas here. That's what Joseph said. You meant it for evil. There were, some, there were some agendas that were exposed during that time. God meant it for good. What is God doing with this? What, is God, what was God doing? He was making us daily. He was teaching us how to be house to house. 
And he was showing us that the church was not a building. The church is people. Now, we're thankful for our buildings. <laughs> we're thankful for our meeting places. We put church on the sign because this is where the church meets. But God doesn't come here today because there's a, a, a sign that says Refuge Church. He comes because there's people that have the heart to worship. The people carry the presence of God. David learned that. He doesn't ride on a cart. He rides on the shoulders of the priesthood. And we are that priesthood today. So I'm going to bring you into a, and kind of a flow, and we're going to see where the Lord will take us. So I know you got nice and seated. I don't know what your custom is. I like to stand when we read the Word of God. So let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we will read it. Um, I think you had NLT was up there. I don't know if that's your preferred um, I will read it in the KJV, and then we will read it in, the, um, in your NLT, if that will help you. So let's look at it. Let's look at, look at it first um, in the KJV, and I want you to see the different flows that are there. I've le- I learned the Bible through the KJV, but I like these other augmented texts sometimes to bring out uh, some of the, the nuances of modern language. In verse number 12, he says, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure. Everyone say, our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, everyone say our measure, as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors. Verse 15, this is our key verse, but having hope, everyone say having hope, when your faith is increased, we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Wow. So what he's saying is there's more in us than what you're seeing right now. Our capacity is greater than what is presently manifest. But there is a hope that we can go beyond. So let's read it now in NLT. Just a little bit of this in NLT. We'll start at verse 13. We do not boast about things done outside our area of authority. Our area of authority. Everyone say area of authority. KJV says measure. Here it says area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond those boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we had never visited you, for we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast or claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope, everyone say we hope, that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. So I'm going to talk to you about expanding our apostolic reach. 
All right, would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that the living word will preach the written word today. Help me to speak as the oracle of God. Help us to flow together in the spirit. Help us, oh God, to embrace all that you have for us today. I bind every resisting spirit, whether human or demonic, and I pray that you would help me to speak as the oracle of the Lord, that you may put in motion everything that you have for this tremendous group of people, these disciples of Christ. I thank you, God, for this great pastor and his wife. I thank you, God, for this team that is already assembled. I thank you, God, for the river that is already flowing. And we pray now that you would take us to the next level. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Turn to two or three people and say, in Jesus' name, we are extending our reach. Now, it's just interesting that many times we take scriptures and we love to just take two or three verses and uh, just uh, pull those verses out and we don't read the verses before or the verses after. So often we love to read 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How many have ever read those verses before? Use those as spiritual warfare verses, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then we stop. So we don't read the verses before. We don't read the verses after. We don't even know the context. What is the context of these verses? Verse number one. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold towards you. He said, I'm exercising my authority right now. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence or I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. This was a challenge of spiritual authority in the church in Corinth. And he is saying, I'm being bold in this letter to set things in order so that when I come there in person, I won't have to embarrass anybody. Because there's some people that actually think that the the authority that we're exercising is coming out of carnality or flowing out of our flesh or that we are purposely trying to lord it over you when we are giving you directives. He says, oh, no, no. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The we there is the apostles. The we there is spiritual authority. So in order for us to really operate in apostolic ministry, we need apostolic, if we want to operate in spiritual, in spiritual warfare, we have to operate in apostolic ministry. We have to have apostolic authority. We have to have apostolic flow that is in our life. So this is an apostolic church. You have apostolic doctrine. You have apostolic lifestyle. And what you are learning is apostolic function. Where fivefold ministry can operate and flow in your church. And this is kind of the overflow of the conference. But I wanted to show you this is that this is talking about and establishing the we being spiritual authority. And it's through understanding spiritual authority that the whole body is able to experience breakthrough. They demonstrate, and everyone comes up underneath this, and we are able to then comprehend because they are given great grace to tear down strongholds, cast down imaginations, and bring all things into obedience to Christ. Every thought, 
Every thought, the word thought there also is translated strategy. It can also be translated uh, device. So Satan has devices or strategies that he is trying to use to capture aspects of you, to restrain parts of you, to keep you from going where you are destined to go or to uh, operate and function according to your fullest potential. And so Paul is saying, if you are fighting with me carnally, he said, listen, this is not what this is about. We are not talking about, uh, uh, about some kind of a carnal thing. This is a spiritual thing. We don't accomplish these breakthroughs through personality. You don't, you don't accomplish this through, through someone's well-speaking or, 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 or their talent. He said, no, this is something that comes because God has given us this spiritual weapon. God has given us this grace, and we are able to function and operate in this. In verse number 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So everything that the enemy is trying to do is hinging, just like your pastor said today, on our obedience. That when we come into that covering of spiritual authority, when we come into alignment with apostolic ministry, there's something that begins to happen to us. There's a flow that begins to come, and we get into alignment. And all of these things that we are battling, all these things that are going on in our minds, all of these devices that the enemy is using, all of this knowledge, these, these things that exalt itself, this pride, all of this imaginations, and even strongholds, they all come crashing down. And then he says, this is what I want for you. I want you to stop measuring yourselves among yourselves because that's not wise. You are limiting yourself by measuring yourself with somebody else. I'm wanting to break these strongholds to unlock your potential. He says because we have more authority in the spirit than what we're already operating in and the goal is not to have to use it on you but to use it with you to expand our territory. That the goal of spiritual warfare is not for us to have to keep tearing down strongholds with people in the church, but for us to collectively work together to tear down strongholds in our community and to tear down all of the walls that the enemy is trying to build around people that we're trying to reach, to break the arguments that they have in their minds, the thoughts that they have been held captive by, to bring them into the obedience to the gospel so that they can walk in newness of life as we are walking in newness of life. He said, we want to reach beyond you. There is a place beyond where you are, Corinth. And so I want to start exercising our authority not to be bold against some that are contending with us, but to say, hey, folks, this is to help you. So he says, there's some people that measure themselves among themselves, and they're not wise. Now, I call this... Uh, this segment here that I'm going into, a faith perimeter. Everyone say a faith perimeter. He said he called it our measure of rule, our measure of rule, our sphere of apostolic authority or influence. And it is based on a faith perimeter within that body. So he says, Corinth, we have this hope that when your faith is increased, our rule, our reach, our influence, our capacity to help others, our ability to release more territory for the kingdom of God, it will happen, he said, and when we read it in the KJV, abundantly. In other words, there is a, there's an, a much larger capacity than what we are presently functioning in. 
He said, so what I'm wanting to do is get you into an expansion of your faith perimeter. And he says, so before I do that, I have to tell you what not to do before I tell you what to do. The first thing is don't let somebody else's measure be something that affects you. So I, would, I remember preaching somewhere between the north and south. I wouldn't want to say it was Green Bay. But anyway, <laughs> I had somebody come to me and say, there's only so many big churches. And, you know, you'll probably only, we'll probably only have 200 people. And I'm like, well, then why am I having a revival? Because I really didn't believe that, that, that there was going to be much more revival than what they already had. Now, those people are not there now, so I can say that anyway. <laughs> but but, I, but it, it was reflective of many places that I went. That was just one example. And they were literally citing it where they actually voiced it rather than thinking it. Well, there's Stockton has got a big church. You know, Indianapolis has a big church. You know, Alexandria has a big church. You know, and when we were in Wisconsin, it was Parkway was the big church. And then the rest of us are just struggling over here. And they were measuring themselves among themselves. Or sometimes you can say, well, how long did it take for them to be as big as they are? Well, it took them 30 years to get 200 people. Who are we to think that we could have 200 people and we've only been doing this, you know, X amount of years? Or you can look at another ministry and you can say, oh, wow, you know, they're so great. I could never be like them. Or you could see somebody that's been in it a long time and they're not very far along. So who am I to think I could go beyond them? And, and the problem is if you start looking at other people, God is not going to judge you by somebody else's assignment. God is not going to judge you by somebody else's gift. If you can't sing, God's not going to say, well, how come you didn't sing a solo when you stand in judgment? God, you remember this voice you gave me? You know, like, I can't say. God is not going to judge you. God is not going to judge you outside of your measure. He said, we're not going to try to boast ourselves in somebody else's labors. We're not going to try to take credit for that. But we're saying, look, you are the expression of our labor. You are the people that God has given to us. And we're telling you, as your spiritual authority, we can go beyond. We can do more. Stop listening to all these other outside voices. Don't let there be any strongholds in your mind that holds you back. Let's do this. Corinth so I believe what your pastor is hearing from God I believe what God is speaking to this church is stop worrying about everybody else stop worrying about everybody else's what they can or can't do and say what are the gifts we have what are the capacities that we have what is God doing with us maybe there's something more that he wants to do than what he's already done and can we allow the Holy Spirit to affect our measure let the Holy Spirit decide how much we can do let God be the one that determines where our reach is. Don't let the devil tell me where I can go. Don't let some other man tell me where I can go. Don't let some other church limit me some way. God wants to take the limits off of Refuge Church. Today is a day when God is releasing faith to you. Now, now, we have a faith perimeter. Our faith perimeter is the sum total of all of our experience. It is the sum total of all of our exposure. It is the sum total of all of our revelation knowledge. 
So it would be uh, sometimes like this. A man that's traveling, travels the world and goes to a sheik in a desert who's lived in the desert his whole life and explains to him that there are oceans. And he says, kill this man, he's a liar. There is no such thing as oceans. We have traveled all of this sand and we have never seen more than just one little stream that comes from the oasis that trickles out of the rock. There are no such things. Oh, no, no, ships, ships, these are big things. Let me draw a picture of a ship and try to show you what a ship is. There are many of these so ships. I have ridden on them. Ah, he is lying. He is a liar. Does not exist. Is not possible. I have not seen it. What is true? There are oceans, whether you have seen the oceans or not. But his faith perimeter, his acceptance, his exposure, his understanding was limited to the desert that he operated in. And there are whole denominations that are secessionists. We call that that they say the Holy Ghost is not being poured out anymore. There are no gifts of the Spirit. There's no fivefold ministry. There's no apostles and prophets because their experience told them. We have never experienced it, so therefore it cannot be. So we must decide whether we are going to subject the Word of God to our experience or, or subject our experience to the Word of God. When I was in Ethiopia, uh, my mind was blown several times. It was a small explosion, but my mind was blown several times when I was there. I was just, it would just be a, you know, and then I would, you know, reset the, bo- the fuse box and then it would just kind of blow again. 300 voice choir dancing as we come off the, come off the bus. 600,000 people crammed in there. 20, 20 Ethiopians per square meter. I mean, it was just, I, I could go all day telling you about Ethiopia. They, they would have a little truck, a little small little pickup truck that doesn't even have a, a back seat, just a front seat, that's all they have. And they'd have 60, 60 Ethiopians in the back of the truck, and they're crammed in there, and they're all singing while they're, they're just happy they got a ride. The majority of them walked more than 70 miles to be there. And the miracle stories, I sat with the elders and they would tell me miracle stories. I stayed after a couple of days and they made me an honorary Ethiopian. I was so proud. (laughs) But I'm sitting there in the middle of all of this and they're bringing up people during the service. We would like everyone that's been raised from the dead this year to come up. And I'm thinking, everyone? I'm thinking there's going to be one. There's like like 15 people come across the stage and they go up there. They go up there. See, see we're, we're a bunch of Arabians right now hearing about the desert, hearing about the ocean. We go up there. How long were you dead? Five days. How long were you dead? Three days. How long were you dead? 18 hours. How long were you? I'm like, the two was dead five days? Yeah, and they raised him. And I heard all these stories. And then Billy Cole gets up to do the healing service. And he walks up and he literally says, God, it's going to open the eyes of the blind. And somebody goes, and this is what they do in Ethiopia. They start doing like this. They don't have aisles. They don't have aisles. So he jumps on the shoulders of people and runs up onto the platform. And he's dancing all over the place. Everybody knew him. He was one of their preachers. They knew he had been blind for 15 years. And he's dancing all over the place. I can see. I can see. Brother Cole had not even prayed for anybody yet. He just said, God's going to open the eyes of the blind. 
And he runs up to the platform. Billy Cole's standing there. He's dancing all over the place. He goes, give me a Bible. And they go and grab a Bible. And he opens it up. And he start, He said, well, I want to read Acts 2.38. And he says, repent and be baptized. And he starts dancing all that. They literally take the mic away from the guy. He was excited that he could read the scriptures again. I mean, like half of these people over here that knew him, they were all celebrating. And he hadn't even prayed yet. I mean, my heart is being smitten by this. Seeing thousands receive the Holy Ghost. Never seen it in my whole life. The first year I was there, we had a small harvest. I think it was 28,000. The second year I went, it was 78,000 people that received the Holy Spirit. And when I was sitting there, I was trying to write some of it down. I had a little micro tape recorder, and I was recording. Remember, this is before iPhones. And I'm trying to, trying to capture some of the music and capture the environment. And God smites my heart. He says, you are an American. And he said, you don't preach that I'll open the eyes of the blind because you've never seen the eyes of the blind open before. He said, this is the difference between the Ethiopian church and the American church, is that the Americans won't preach anything unless they've seen it themselves. And he said, but the Ethiopians, he said, they preach my word until it becomes their experience. Those elders sat with me and they said, we, we read, we read where it said, cloven tongues of fire. And we prayed for the fire to fall on our heads. That had never happened before. So we said, okay, God, if it happened in the book of Acts, it'll happen for us. God, you said there was a wind that blew on the day of Pentecost. We're going to pray until the wind blows. We saw in the, in the book of Acts that, that many people received the Holy Ghost all at the same time. And we're going to pray that many people will get the Holy Ghost at the same time. So I, I, I'm understanding that, that this is a faith perimeter problem with me. It's not a problem with God. It's not a problem with his word. It's not a problem with the pattern. It's all in the word of God. It's that there's a part of me that's a block. There's something. There's a warfare that is going on in my mind. There's, there's thoughts and imaginations and strongholds that are trying to hold me back because I have this thing where I'm making the word of God subject to my intellect. It's not true unless I say it is. I'm going to tell you something. The word of God is true whether, whether I say it's true or whether you say it's true or anybody else says it's true. The word of God works. What I need is a breakthrough I need a defining moment in my life and a defining moment is when God breaks that perimeter and I start saying okay God I'm believing you for more okay God I'm going to step out and I'm going to start accepting that I think maybe more could happen in my ministry maybe more could happen in my prayer life maybe I could go a little bit further you know this is all that I've ever experienced is this but God God if somebody else is telling me there's more out there then I, I want to know if there's more I, I want to get out in there God do something in my my spirit to give me a defining moment refuge church we are here today to have a defining moment god is getting ready to break the mentality that you have been living under and move you into a season of more grace than you ever knew that was possible i want you to clap your hands to the lord and give him praise right now hallelujah Hallelujah. Be it unto me according to thy word. <laughs> That's what Mary said. This is beyond anything I've ever heard before, but be it unto me according to your word. If you tell me the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow me, is going to put something divine inside of me, I don't know how you're going to do it, uh, but behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, I'll receive it. I, I, I want it. Just be it unto me according to you. It's, it's way beyond me, God. It's Ezekiel. 
It's Ezekiel, the priest turned prophet. He he was so much better at priestly stuff. He didn't even know the prophet stuff. It it was so new to him. 30th year, fourth month, and fifth day. That's the language of a priest. He's on the calendar. He's on the Jewish calendar for the priesthood, even though he's a slave. And he's he's, he's a captive in Babylon. And I saw visions of God. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there. I saw all this crazy stuff, wheels and wheels, and these weird beasts, and doing all this stuff. And the Bible says that God carried him away in the 37th chapter. He carried him away, and he took him down in a valley full of bones, and they were very dry, and there were very many. And God says to him, can these bones live? You have to understand, if he's using the biblical precedent, there's only been two recorded stories of people that have been raised from the dead. Elijah and Elisha raised the dead. And Elijah had to stretch himself. Elisha had to stretch himself. It was a stretch for their ministries to raise one person that recently died that had all of his faculties intact. I mean, still had eyeballs and everything. These are bones. It, it, you know, someone, someone had this, this thing, you know, God can never raise the dead if you've already been embalmed. Because all your blood is gone, so he can't raise you. Ask, ask Ezekiel about that. I call this the superlative of the impossible. I mean, it's, it's impossible, and then it's like very dry and very many. God's not asking him to see, could, could this one skeleton live? He's saying, could all these bones live? And you know what, you know what Ezekiel says? Oh, Lord, thou knowest. This is the response of faith and obedience. God, this is so far beyond me. I have no idea from where I stand, but if you're asking the question, you already know the answer. If God is asking a question, he already knows what he wants to do. He's trying to get you to the same conclusion that is already in his mind. So I want to tell you, God already has a building for you. God already has a bigger space for you. God already has hundreds of souls for you. God already has a great harvest for you. And you're standing here saying, I don't know if it's possible. I don't know, God. I don't know, God. You're probably in a really good position if you're saying right now, I don't know. It's beyond me, God. He's saying, exactly. It's beyond you, but it's not beyond me. And I'm trying to get you to start thinking like me instead of thinking like everybody else. This is not a carnal battle. This is a spiritual battle. You know, he told Ezekiel, just prophesy. Just prophesy. Nothing changed. Nothing happened. Just prophesy. Nothing moved. We, we, we love to prophesy when things start moving. You know, if the bones started moving, oh, I feel like God's about to do something here. There's nothing happening. He said, just do it based on my word. So we are standing on strictly just the word of God. That is enough. I don't have to see anything else. Pastor, if you got a word, that's enough. If we've already got scripture for it, that's enough. We can stand up and say, I believe this is our hour and this is our moment and a breakthrough is about to happen. You prophesy until... He prophesied, and what he said came to pass. You are going to have what you say. If you speak doubt, you will have doubt. If you speak poverty, you will have poverty. If if you speak depression, you'll have depression. The Bible says that, that, that the Israelites stayed in the wilderness because the promise was not mixed with faith. 
It's not mixed with faith. God swore in his wrath, you're not going in because you keep speaking doubt all the time. And they kept speaking doubt about the next generation. Oh, these kids are going to be destroyed by, by the promised land. Oh, there's giants over there. They could squash the kids. And God says, those kids you're talking about, they're the ones that are going to go in. It was all about a mentality. They came back and said, we saw the giants, and then we were in our own sight. We were in their sight as we were in our, in our own sight. Had nothing to do with God. Had everything to do with their mentality. When you read the Psalms, it says, we limited, or they limited the Holy One. Is that possible? Can God be limited if he ties himself to us? If we are his partners, if, it, if our faith is required in the promise, the limit is not with God's ability. It's with his permission to work based upon our mentality. So the breakthrough comes when I get more revelation. And so if I feel like I'm stuck somewhere, I've got to get exposed to something else. i got to ask, I got to ask the traveler to take me to the ocean i got to ask somebody to tell me, where can I go to see this? I want to see this. I want to know this. I want to be a part of this. I want to get out of where I'm at right now. I've got to understand, I know there's something beyond. There's regions beyond. And God wants to expand the reach. He wants to expand your perimeter today. Hallelujah. I want you to stop and lift your hands again to the Lord just for a minute. Would you do that? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to push a little bit more today. I want to just give you some more verses. The word just breaks as a hammer. It breaks as a hammer. God is so much more for you. I feel this. I sense this. When I woke up this morning, the Lord was just talking to me about so much more that he wanted to do, that he was going to open the heavens over this area. He's going to open hearts in this area, that he's going to open doors in your community. He's going to release it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here, here's another example. Here's another example. Acts chapter 3. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily. Everyone say daily. At the gate of the temple, which was called beautiful. Now, this word beautiful is a Greek word, which is horeos. We oftentimes miss it. We think that it's just talking about the name of the gate. But it actually has a prophetic meaning. It means belonging to the right hour or season, timely. It can also mean flourishing or beautiful, blooming. In other words, there is a season of bloom. Or there is a time when things come to a critical moment. But horeos is different from kairos. So you have chronos, which is just the sequence of time. Then you have kairos, which is an appointed time. But horeos is a time that will never happen again. So this flower is going to bloom, and once this bloom is done, it's falling off. And it's not going to bloom another one like that. Not on that, not, not on that piece right there. There will be more flowers. But on that particular uh, branch, on that particular a plant, that, that bloom, it has its moment. It has its moment. Horeos. Horeos. God directed me to this. 
This church right now is in a horeos moment. Once you make the decision, once you accept what God is saying to you or reject what God is saying to you, this time, this season will not come back again. There will be other appointed times. There will be other Rima words. There will be other words from God. But this is a different word. This is not... This is not Kronos. This is not Kairos. This is Horeos. Watch this. Watch this. So here's the example. At the gate called beautiful. Everything in the scripture is there for a reason. Didn't have to call the gate. Didn't have to say where it was. It was put in the text because God was giving us a clue. Jesus walked through that gate how many times? And never healed that man. He was laid there daily since he was a child. The Bible says... Uh, he was above 40 years old. 40 years he'd been laid at that gate. Jesus walked by that same man, that same beggar. Jesus walked by the same lame man. I'm going to say it again. Never healed him. Is it because he was not able to heal him? No, it wasn't his horeos moment. He left it for his apostles. Now, what do we learn from chapter 2, the end of chapter 2? The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Daily church, daily results. We have right outside the gate, beautiful. What do we have? A man who's laid daily. So think about this. I'm going into the temple to pray every day. They'd go at the hour of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, ninth hour. Go at the hour of prayer. We're, we're in the hour of prayer right now, 3 o'clock. Oh, this is the time we were. They would go every day, and when they would walk by, there's that same man there. And it was sort of like a little barb that said, Jesus didn't heal him. He's still crippled. And every time you're going in, oh, we're going into the presence of, oh, God's doing, oh, woo, all these great things are happening. The apostles are doing signs and miracles, and then they, they walk out, and alms for the poor. And the reality is, when we're in here and we're together, faith is moving. God is working. We're connecting. I mean, what authority you have. What anointing you have to lead. I sensed it the moment I walked in the building. Whew, it almost scares you. The authority of God that's on this pastor's wife. Wow. The presence of God is so thick. It's so rich. Aren't you blessed? Aren't you so thankful for what you feel and what you see? It's amazing. But as soon as we walk out the door, it's in our face again. As soon as you drive out to the parking lot, it's in your face again. And the enemy is trying to just, so there's this daily banging. So there's something happening inside where we're trying to expand and something on the outside as soon as we go out there that's trying to take away whatever progress we just made. Am I speaking as a man of God to you today? Bang, bang, bang. In and out and in and out. And then 
one day the man said something to Peter. The Bible says he was on his way, not his way out of prayer, but his way into prayer. Something happened where what was in him was greater than what was out here resisting him. What was in him became stronger in the spirit. And they turned to him and said, he said, oh, alms for the poor? And his spirit went, we're dealing with this right now. And John, standing with him, look on us. We are a united front right here. We're together in this. John was the support system for Peter. He's standing there and completing. Look on us. Look me in the eye. Get your mind off of all this and look at this. What I have is greater than everything you've been dealing with in your whole life. I've got something. And I want to tell you something. God has given this church something within it that is greater than everything that's going on out there. God has given this man of God, this woman of God, as able ministers the authority. God has put something in you, young people, that is greater than the culture. God has put something in you, fathers and mothers, something greater than that's attacking your family out there. We're getting hit every day. But there is a point when something surges in us that our daily is greater than their daily. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. And this was the release because now it wasn't just happening in the temple. It was happening in the streets. And when it starts happening in the streets, folks, it unlocks something in that community. It broke something. And 3,000 men, 3,000 families came in from that one breakthrough. What I'm telling you is you're one breakthrough away from going to a level that you've never been in before. You are one breakthrough. So I'm here to tell you, stay daily. Just keep on doing it. Just keep on speaking faith. Just keep on believing. Just keep going in and going back out. Just keep going in and coming back out. Just keep on praying. And there will be a moment when something in you says, Now! This is your Horeos moment. This is your, are you ready for it? Your gateway moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Horeo. 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 Okay. All right. Now you need a testimony. I, I, I have several more patterns we could use, but I'll give you this scripture and then I'll give you a testimony. Second Corinthians 1 tells us, Paul said, our word to you was not yea and nay, but our word to you was yea. For all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. This is the principle of faith again, coming into action. God has a yes. Our job is the amen. Before you call, I will answer, yes. Oh, Lord, I want you to give a yes. I haven't even asked yet. Well, I know what you're going to ask before you ask, and the answer is already yes. My dad used to tell this great story about the little boy at the Potomac River walk in the wintertime in the, in the early days of the American founding of America. And they had long lines. If he had a horse, you could get across really fast. But they didn't have a horse, so they had to walk slowly across the rocks, and they're waiting their turn. And before the dad could, could see what the boy had done, he turned around and said, Hey, mister, can I have a ride? And... The uh, stately man on the horse said, sure, young man, give me your hand. <laughs> Put him on the back of the horse and rode across the river. 
And the dad was so embarrassed. He had his head down on him. I can't believe it. My son just asked this guy, a prominent man, he's, oh my goodness, he didn't know who he was, asking this man for a ride. He said, what possessed you to ask that man for a ride? He said, didn't you know who he was? That was George Washington, the president of the United States, and you asked him for a ride. He said, oh, dad, he had a yes face. You know, sometimes we have this idea about God. He's like a grumpy old man. No. Get off my lawn, you know. <laughs> no, you can't play here. No. Get, just get away. You know, like, go, would you do it? No, you haven't, you haven't sacrificed enough. No, you know, I don't see enough humility. No, no, no. It's almost you have this idea that because of this great authority that God has, that and we would never dare to ask. And the young man says, no, he's got a yes face. I'm going, man. I'm going to do this. You have to see Jesus with a yes face because his word already says all the promises of God are in him. Yay. He doesn't say yay and nay. God is no respecter of persons. So if you can find a precedent anywhere, he'll do it. And then he loves it when you have faith beyond the precedent. Elisha said, I know what you got, Elijah, but I want twice as much. God says, I like that. I like that. Give it to him. Let him have a double portion. And we talk about praying for a double portion all the time. Somebody had to invent it. Somebody had to believe in that prayer. Someone had to speak that prayer for the first time. Someone had to think that thought. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or if you can think it, God can do it. What I'm saying today is why not then let our minds get a little bit affected by the Holy Ghost and by the grace of God and start flowing in our spirit. Hallelujah. Language of God, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horses thereof. And he goes up and he gets the mantle and now he's got a double portion. Wow. Amazing. You know, sometimes we put ourselves in, 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 inside the restrictions of our own words. We'll say things like, if I could have half the ministry of that man, if I could have half the ministry of Frank Tamil, if I could have half the ministry of Lee Stone, if I, I don't want half. Come on, let's be honest. You, if, you only want, if you only say, if I could only have half, then that's all you're going to get. Measuring ourselves among ourselves. No, no, no. I want to do this according to the grace of God. What does God say is possible? What is in his word? What does he want us to do? So here's my testimony. So when I became a, uh, a co-pastor, I went to Beaumont, Texas. Uh, Y2K was my first service. <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> we were afraid the world was going to melt down, and nothing happened. And uh, not even a light bulb blew out. It was really it was, it was awesome. But. Six months later, I was elected as co-pastor and senior pastor at the same time, pending upon the retirement of the senior pastor at the time. So I was there for four years because he never retired. So <laughs> guess I'm not supposed to be senior pastor. So, okay, it's time for me to go. That was the best move, the right thing to do. So that's what I did. But I learned. It was my school, my four-year degree in pastoring. I got it during that time there. When I first became a pastor, co-pastor, I felt the burden because as an evangelist, I am not the ceiling. The pastor is the ceiling. So I always go to the pastor. What are you feeling from God? What do you want to get done? What are you, what are you hoping to accomplish? What's your vision? I want to try to help your vision go. 
That's what I would do everywhere I went, try to help the vision of the pastor, whatever I can do to get done for that pastor, for his vision. Suddenly, I'm the pastor. Now, I'm the ceiling. It's all resting on me. Oh, God, don't let me. Don't let me get in the way of what you are doing. Don't let my limited faith limit this church. So I felt the burden, this intense burden for the lost people of that community. God, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to, I'm, going to be, I'm going to stand in judgment next to you. And I'm weeping and crying. I'm laying on the floor. And we were in an apartment. We just got there. So we were in an apartment complex. And I start travailing. I start groaning so loud. My wife was afraid they were going to, like, call the cops or something. You know, neighbors, just, you know, you got an apartment. You have walls. And people can hear you. And, I mean, I, I, was, I, was, I was groaning. I, was, I, I, could, I came where I didn't have words. I was sobbing so intensely. And my wife comes in the room. She goes, honey, um, I think you might need to turn it down. And then she just kind of backs out because she sees. And I'm like, oh, let him throw me in jail. I'm like, I don't care. Like, like I couldn't. And finally, I just stopped. And the Holy Spirit came down just like that. And the Lord began to speak to me. He said, stop worrying about the harvest. He said, I gave Peter a multitude in a moment, and I can do the same thing for you. He said, prepare the nets. He said, I want you to go to every department of the church and streamline them for revival. Emphasize prayer from the center to the, to the circumference. Get everybody involved in prayer and prepare the, the nets. I'll take care of the harvest. Okay. My responsibility was not the harvest. My responsibility was to do everything to prepare for the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. So somebody plants and somebody else waters, but God gives the increase. Okay. Stop for a minute right now. Your increase is, is coming. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? We're almost there. All right, let me go a little further. Go a little further. Thank you, Jesus. So I started having prayer. I started training. I started teaching. I started doing all these things. Prophetic words start coming. More confirmations. Amazing things happening in the city. I meet the mayor. Uh, I, I, I pray uh, for the, uh, I was just on the rotation. I ended up praying with, there was a kind of a scandal in the town. I didn't know it. I was the scheduled pastor to pray uh, before city council. And they had, I mean, Fox News and CNN and all these microphones. I mean, there's like 20 microphones or whatever there. I don't know who, who all they were. I mean, anyway, all the, all the net networks were there. And they're all, and, and they're listening to me. The newspapers listening. They're writing what I write, what I say in my prayer. They're interviewing me afterwards. All this stuff is happening in the city. All these things are going on. I'm meeting people, and and and, and God is is showing me possibilities. He's showing me possibilities, and I'm still laboring in this in, in this church. And they're still trying to figure out what I am and what I do, and whether I can be their pastor or not. In the meantime, with the city, all these things are going on, and I'm dying. I'm slowly dying. And then God tells me to leave. And I had to die to all of it. I had to give up all of it. I, I said, okay. Okay, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll leave. I'll let it go. I surrender. And God taught me something. I kept saying, God, what about this church? Though? What about these people? What about all the work? And he said, churches don't have destinies. Ministries have destinies. He said, you don't need this church to have your destiny. They need you so they can have your destiny. He said, when the next pastor comes, the, the destiny of this church will change. 
to be whatever his calling is, whatever his vision is. He was trying to teach me. He was trying to help me understand these concepts. So I leave. I leave everything that was stable, that was settled. I mean, you have a salary, you have life insurance, whatever, all these different things. Now you have, you have, no, you have no idea. Back on the road again. On the road again? Here we go. <laughs> What's going to happen now? And so I ended up preaching a conference up in Dallas for Tom Foster called Closer and Close Conference. I was the, that was the, the Wednesday night. Or it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was the Thursday night. And Mark Morgan was the Friday night. I'd never been around Mark Morgan very much, but I preached on Thursday night, and God did some wonderful things, but it was really not, not about what I was there to do. It was what God was wanting to do for me in this conference, because I was just freshly resigned, and I was contemplating my future, and I was trying to understand, and my faith level was so uh, in flux at this moment. And Brother Morgan Brother Morgan is getting ready to preach, and before he gets ready to preach, they start honoring Brother Foster. They're bringing him coach luggage and sending him on vacations, and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I never got to be the senior pastor that they give luggage to. You know, like. <laughs> they had a 70-voice choir, and Gayla Foster, she was on the organ. I mean, she was cranking it, man. It was like, and I was like, yes. And I'm like, we had a great choir. I don't have a choir anymore. I'm just an evangelist now. Evangelists don't have choirs. And I'm sitting here thinking about all this. And I said, God. And I just started, and it just went into a stream with the Lord. It just went into a stream because the, the, the pain was there. And I, and I said, God, I don't really care about the luggage and all that stuff. Like, I have luggage. It just doesn't look like that. But I, mean, but I have luggage. I said, but man, I'm really going to miss the choir, and I'm going to, and, and my, my, it was just, I was just starting to sink, and all of a sudden, the Lord starts speaking to me. He said, you don't have to have a church to have a choir. He said, if money wasn't an issue, you could have as big a choir as you want. You could have a hundred-voice choir. And he said, son, I am not angry with you when you ask for too much. I'm angry with you when you ask for too little as if I were a man like you. He said, son, since it's up to me, I want you to pray prayers as big as I am. I want you to pray God-sized prayers. He said, you're asking for a million dollars. He said, you can't even build the buildings for your, that you want to build for a million dollars. He said, why don't you believe me for hundreds of millions of dollars to fund revival all over the world? And I'm going... Okay, why can't you believe me that you could start one church a year? He was trying to give me some suggested amounts. Some suggested God-level prayers. And he was showing me my perimeter was so small in comparison to what was possible. And I was having a defining moment. not just preaching a sermon to you today. I'm giving you a word from God. 
asking for too little. You have been praying too small. You've been allowing your carnal mind to influence you too much. You've been looking around too much. And today God is saying that he loves you more than you understand. That he's for you more than you've been able to ingest. That he is with you. I don't care what your past has been. I don't care what your history was. I don't care where you came from. God sent you a man of God and a woman of God with a vision because of what he wants to do in your future. And today, God is opening up the heavens. And you know what he is saying? Ask. In 2 Kings 13, Elisha's about to die. And the king comes in, and he uses the same words, my, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horses thereof. And he says, open the window and strike the ground. And he just shoots the arrow three times. And the prophet is mad. He is angry at him. He said, just three times? That's all? That's all you thought? God was giving you a blank check. You could have had whatever victory you wanted, but you only thought three arrows. That's how limited your thought was. He said, in other words, I didn't come here with a word. I came here to open the window. You get to decide the measure. Your faith gets to decide the measure. And I am here as a prophet of God, as a man of God, come to this church to open the window. God sent me here to open the window, to tell you things are ready to change. Things are ready to shift. But you have got to embrace this with your faith. You have got to get your arms around his promise. You have got to say, okay, God, if this is what you're saying to us, I know it's beyond where we are. It's beyond what we think we might even be able to pay for or beyond what we think we can do. And, and I don't know, God, if we have enough people. And I don't know if we have enough resources. And I don't know what the bank is going to say. And, and I don't know. And I don't know. And I don't know. But he knows it all. And if he says yes, then you need to say, okay, God, we're going to Strike the ground. We're going after this thing. He said you should have hit it five times or six times. And if you would have done that, if you would have showed some passion, he said God would have given you the total victory. And I'm going to tell you right now, Refuge Church, this is your moment. I want you to stand. I want you to pray. I want you to do whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you want to come to the altar, if you want to lay on your face, but I want you to start moving right now. And I want you to start saying, okay, God, I am ready for a breakthrough. I'm ready for my faith to have a defining moment. I'm ready for us to confess that you are able, that there is nothing that is impossible with God, that you are the one that sent us. It is your gospel. It is your kingdom. It is your finance. It is your power. It is your grace. God is not angry when you ask for too much. He's angry when you ask for too little. I want somebody to pray some big prayers. Pray some prayers that are bigger than anything you've ever prayed before. Pray. Pray God-sized prayers.
Forgive us, Lord, for limiting you. Forgive us, Lord, for limiting you. Help us, oh God, today. Help us, oh God, to give birth to something in the Spirit. Let something come upon us today that we can have a yearning within us, having a travail within us to bring forth something beyond us, to push something out. God, you're taking us into a new space. You're taking us into a big place. God, you're, you're doing something beyond anything that we can imagine. It was more than what we asked for. It was beyond what you expected. Oh! But this is a defining moment. This is a defining season in the life of the Refuge Church. And if you take it casually, you will have less than what God wants to give you. If you don't take this seriously, you will have less than what is available. But if you will proceed in faith, if you will function and operate with, a, with an aggressive passion, if you will seek after God with fasting and prayer, if you will give, God will bless you. And God will pour his favor out upon you. And God will give you open doors. To all of our guests, we're so thankful that you're here today. This is a moment where we are travailing and praying. This is a moment when God is doing something with this church for this community. God is doing something for you, precious people of God, that have labored so diligently and poured out so much. God says you have done well, but he is ready to bless you beyond what you have ever expected. Uh, faith. God, I am releasing something in this room today. I am releasing the energy of travail. I am imparting the spirit of travail that you will travail until you prevail. I am releasing the birthing. I am unlocking the door right now in the name of Jesus. I am opening the window in the spirit right now by the authority of your word and in the name of Jesus. We open up Kansas City. We open up this part, this region, this liberty. We open up, oh God. Hey, masata. A greater capacity, a greater capacity, a greater sphere of authority, a greater sphere of apostolic ministry in the name of Jesus. Ah, be not dismayed nor discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. Ah, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would put an anointing and an assurance. Let there be a rhema word from God in this pastor. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, as you have given him the oversight of this congregation, as you have given him the vision and the burden, oh God, there's a double portion anointing. Well, if I could just be as good as my dad, if I could win as many souls as my dad, oh, you're going to do more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you feel a spirit of, of intercession coming on you. Hallelujah. If you are one of the trusted leaders of this church, 
that loves this man of God, I want you to come and stand. I want you to come and get around this man of God right now. Some of you men, I want you to get around the man of God and put your hands on him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We are in this together. We release this birthing right now. Uh, some trusted ladies, get around this woman of God, this, this pastor's wife. She is in the yoke with him. She is equally endowed with gifts. You have authority too. You are not just a pastor's wife. You are a pastor. God, we speak it in the name of Jesus. God, we speak it in the name of Jesus. A birthing, oh God. A releasing, Lord. Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray it right now. We pray it right now, a birthing. We pray it right now, a release in the name of Jesus. We pray it right now, an open door. Favor. God, this week, this week, God, turn it. This week, Lord, turn it. This very week, turn it, oh God. In the name of Jesus. This is your vineyard. This is your harvest. This is your kingdom. These are your people. This is the Jesus name message. This is your gospel. These are your men. In the name of Jesus. Lion of Judah, roar! Hallelujah. Now let's clap our hands to the Lord, everybody, and just give Him a shout of praise. Would you do that? Would you give the Lord a shout of praise right now? Hallelujah! 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now I want you to agree with somebody next to you right now that God is going to give you victory like you've never had it before. That you're going to be courageous. You're going to be bold. That your faith is going to be stronger than it's ever been. Would you do that? Would you agree with somebody right now that God is going to do great things? I want you to speak faith over them. I want to speak life over them. I want you to declare it in the name of Jesus. You're going to be more fruitful than you've ever been before. You're going to be stronger than you've ever been before. You're going to walk in an anointing that you didn't know you could have at this age. Right now, in the name of Jesus, there are promises. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. By the authority of the Word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus. Freedom and liberty. God, every stronghold is coming down. Every, every imagination is being cast down in the name of Jesus. Every high thing is coming down. Every thought is coming into captivity in the name of Jesus. You are getting free in your mind. You're getting free in your emotions. You're getting untangled from all the shame. There is freedom coming to you right now. There is strength coming to you right now. 
Yes, he's well able. We are well able to take the city. We are well able. I don't care how big the walls are. I don't care how strong their giants are. I don't care how long they've been there. They're coming down. This city is, is in the hand of God. Yes. 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 Hey! 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 Hallelujah. Something is happening in the spirit. Something is being born in this church that will never die. Something is being released into this framework, the framework and the fabric of your faith. God is opening up a dimension of the supernatural. There's a, there's a, there's a flow of intercession that's being, that's being tapped. There's a dimension of the angelic that's coming into this place. Hallelujah. There's a financial, there's a financial freedom and deliverance. There's a favor, a Holy Ghost favor that God is releasing in the name of Jesus. 
I break the spirit of doubt in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the spirit of unbelief in the name of Jesus. Get your mouth off the vision. Get your mouth off of God's work. Get your mouth off of what God says. Get your mouth off of it. In the name of Jesus, turn it around and start speaking faith. It's beyond us. Yes, it's beyond us. But it's not beyond him. All right, let's clap our hands again now and just give him praise for what God has done in this place, for what God is doing in this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's it. I think we can do just a little bit better. Go ahead and just clap your hands now and just rejoice. We're praising him in advance now. Hallelujah. Open. 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 Hallelujah. 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 The heavens just opened. We just opened. They just opened. Your prayers are getting through. The supplies are coming down now. When the heavens open, that means what's been going up now has, has freedom to come back down. The angels ascend and they descend. The angels descend with the answers to our prayers. And then there's a warfare. There's a contention in the spirit. But when that thing opens... They get through and miracles happen and breakthroughs happen. I want you to walk out of this place today speaking faith. When you go home today, I want you to speak faith. I have something called a faith confession. It's about three pages. And I make this faith confession. This is who I am. These are my promises. This is what you said you were going to do in my ministry and in my life. These are the things that are beyond me, what I could never do. It's impossible. I write them down. And I make faith confessions. Especially when I fast, I bring them back up. And I say, God, help my faith to get where your promise is. (laughs) But I want you to just let God change your thought processes. Hallelujah. Change your thought processes. Let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be favored amongst all of his brethren. Let him dip his foot in the oil. Hallelujah. Let him have the shoes of brass and iron. And as thy days be, so shall be thy strength. It's the end time five blessings of God. The blessing of unlimited harvest, unlimited favor, unlimited finance, unlimited dominion, and unlimited strength. 
And of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. We have the law of increase. Amen. So my vision is either getting smaller or it's getting bigger. My faith is either getting smaller or it's getting bigger. And it happens by me exercising it, just speaking it and declaring it. Amen. Until it all catches up. Something has happened today in the spirit. How many can sense a shift? Can you feel that shift? <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, everybody, one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Now add your voice. Add a shout. Hallelujah! think we've 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 pushed out whatever we could push out of the womb today hallelujah more babies are coming but we 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 did something great today pastor i want to turn it to you i know you have a limited time uh, in this building but we're just maximizing all of the all the time that we have thank you lord thank you lord did is the live stream still going it's not it stopped well, those poor people missed out. Um, the timing, the timing of this whole thing is just impeccable. It's amazing. And uh, the journey of faith is one where you, we will speak faith. But of all the times for Brother Cisco to be here and to speak what he has spoken... Wednesday, Thursday, I can't even remember, Thursday, we put in an, ele- an official letter of intent and made an offer on a building that's 55,000 square foot, which is exactly five and a half times the size of this facility. Up to this point, unfortunately, as soon as early as this morning, when Brother Cisco got in the in the in the truck, I was saying, if we get this building. So when I slid off my chair under the floor, the first thing I 